Good. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We had a little bit of a restart uh, in case you were following us or just jumping on. Uh, our live stream, we had a little hiccup with whichever was going through. So we just did a save so we can make sure we get it recorded so we can have it up. So anyway, I'm not going to rehash all the announcements again. We will have, we're going to jump right into the message this morning on God with us. Uh, God revealed, excuse me. Uh, God is with us, but that's not the title of the message. God revealed. And then uh, we have, we'll have a Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on the true nature of God. So anyway, uh, uh, we're not going to go over the announcements again this morning. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, go ahead and turn with me. Uh, we're going to eventually be in uh, the book of Exodus. We'll be in Exodus 17 in just a moment. But before I get there, uh, while, I, while you're turning, I'm just going to do a, a little bit of introduction about this series that I do each week. We're going through the, the seven names of God. And eventually we're going to do the, an eighth, the eighth name, which would be in the name of Jesus, which might be a whole new series by itself. Uh, but we're going through the names of God because these seven names, and there's other names and, and ways to describe how God is revealed. The, 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 the number one way of knowing God is through Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that other, other uh, way that we get to know God is through his word. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the ink, it's not the leather and the material, it, it's, the, it's the person, it's, his name is Jesus. And we get to know him that way. But God reveals himself, and he reveals himself throughout scripture with these seven names. And these are not just titles, <coughs> excuse me, as some people claim them to be. They're names. They're how God calls himself, they're how God reveals himself, not just in a name. But in what he does and what he promises. All seven, <coughs> excuse me, all seven of these names reveal Jesus. They reveal Jesus to us. And, and <coughs> excuse me. They all are manifested in Jesus. They all point to Jesus. And these seven we have to name, I'm just gonna list them uh, briefly here. I've listened before, but uh <coughs> Excuse me, just talking too fast or something. These seven redemptive names are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is our provider. The second one is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our healer, and we dealt with those two the last two weeks. This week we're going to deal with Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. And then next week we'll deal with Jehovah Mekinish, the Lord who sanctifies. The fifth one is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. The sixth one is Jehovah Teniskyu, the Lord our righteousness. And the last one is Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is present. And we'll be dealing with uh, some of those as we go forward. Now the word Lord, I've been dealt with it before, but there's two different kinds of Lord. But uh, the Lord we're dealing with is, if you read the King James, it's all caps. And especially in the Old Testament, it's all caps, L-O-R-D. And it's Yahweh. And it's defined as the self-existing one, the one who reveals himself. And see, we're not trying to find God. God's not hiding. God has always been pursuing man. God has always been pursuing a relationship with man. God is actively, actively revealing himself to mankind. He's revealing himself to us, his people. And, and these names, these seven names that we're going over, reveal himself. He reveals who God is to his people. And what, <coughs> excuse me, they also reveal what God has proved himself to be. 
So we dealt with uh, two weeks ago, in our first week, or one of our first weeks, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. We, we looked at Genesis 22, where, uh, where he, God revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then he, he, and then he provided, he, he proved, he, he, as he, uh, in the scene where Abraham was the offer of Isaac, God said, oh, actually, Abraham said these words, that God will provide himself a sacrifice. It all points to Jesus. And when we read the Genesis 22 and we studied Jehovah Jireh, it all pointed to Jesus. It pointed to Jesus being the lamb, the, the substitute for Isaac. Just as the ram was caught in the thicket was a substitute for Isaac, so Jesus is our substitute. And it, it was done on Mount Moriah, which points to Mount Calvary. And it all points to to, to Christ. It points to the Messiah. It points to Calvary. And in other words, Abraham saw in an illustrative form Calvary. He saw Christ. He saw the redemption. He saw redemption as the gospel was, was preached to him. But Jehovah Jireh also means that God, we don't, he's our provider. We don't lack anything. We don't lack anything in Christ. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him. As God reveals himself in the knowledge of him, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Last week we thought, talked about Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is our healer. The Lord who heals. And, Exodus, we, and we took a look at Exodus 15 where this name is revealed. But and, and, and when God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, he illustrates how he he, he threw, uh, there was, they came to the bitter waters, uh, I think of Moriah, or Moriah, I forget the name of that, 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 that body of water. But at the same point in time, uh, the waters were bitter. And as Israel was complaining, as they normally did, just like we complain when everything goes wrong, <laughs> we, we do the same thing. Every time something goes wrong, every time something is out of order, we complain, we mumble, we grumble. And sometimes we take it out on our families, our loved ones, our friends, or even ourselves, and, and sometimes it gets God. But God had instructed Moses to, to have the tree. The tree always points to Christ. And he, he, he had threw it in the water, and the waters became healed. And it, but when God began to reveal himself as the Jehovah Rapha, he said, he said that he made a statue. A, a statue, not, not a statue like an image, but he made a statue, and he made, which in the Hebrew means he prescribed. He had a prescription. Just like you go to the doctor and you get prescription. God prescribed his name. And he prescribed his name as an ordinance. And the word ordinance in the Hebrews, in Exodus 15, means that God has decided. God has decided by an ordinance that he is going to prescribe his name as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Just like he healed the bitter waters of Marah, he, he wants to heal the bitter waters in your life. Through Christ, your now this week we're going to talk about Jehovah Nisi. Now, Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is our banner. It can also be described as the, uh, the Lord is our victory. Or the Lord is our deliverer. You know, the word salvation, uh, we've talked about this many times, but in the Hebrew and also in the Greek, the word salvation means, we, we know it as meaning wholeness and healing and prosperity and provision, but it also means deliverance. The word salvation. So we can easily say that the Lord is our salvation. The Lord is our, our banner. He's our victory. He's our deliverer. And as I prepare to get into this message this morning about uh, talking about Jesus, our Lord, our, our, our God, as our banner, as our victory, as our deliverer. 
I want to encourage you, no matter how old you are, no matter what's going on in life, no matter what's going on in our world, and this COVID and, and the presidential election and different things going on, I want to remind you to restart your dream engine. Never get to a place where you stop dreaming. Dreaming. And some of you might be, you know, you're, you might thinking you're just too old for that. Or maybe you've been thinking your dreams have been so broken and so dashed you don't want to dream again. But I encourage you, no matter where you are, how, no matter how young you are, how old you are, whatever you has gone on, don't stop dreaming. The devil wants you to stop dreaming. Dream big. Dream God-sized dreams. It says in Proverbs 24, uh, 16, you don't have to turn there, there. we're going to go to Exodus 17 just a second. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. I don't care how many times you might have fallen as a righteous man or even an unrighteous man. You can get back up. Jesus, I'm going to point this in a minute to our message. He is our banner. He is our victory. He's our deliverer. But some of us, we're looking for victory, but we're falling. We'll get back up. It's time to dream again. It's time to live again. See, dreaming is an act of faith. Faith is seen it's not seen in the natural. It's seen in the spiritual before we see in the natural. Abraham, when he believed, he heard God's word that he would be a father of many nations, and he believed God. He didn't waver from the promise. It says in Romans uh, chapter three, I think it is, or chapter two, two, three, or four. He didn't. Wa he, didn't he didn't. He didn't waver from them. He only considered what God says. Dream big. Allow God to. We just finished a Bible series on Sunday nights on Don't Limit God. We talked in the last chapter was about imagination. Let your imagination go wild in the sense that, you know, there's a verse that we use that's on the back of our mantle. Because that's how we started this whole ministry was delight yourself also in the Lord and he <coughs> will give you desires of your heart. Let me just turn this off real quick. Commit your way to him. With, this is how we heard it. That's why we put it this way. <coughs> so commit your way to him with those desires. Trust also in him with those desires. And he shall bring those desires to pass. As we delight in the Lord, he will give us desires of our heart. That means we, what does that mean? Not only that will he fulfill the desires, but he's the one that gives you the desires in the first place. He's the one that conceives those desires in your heart. And as you commit your way to him, trusting him, he says, he, not you, will bring it to pass. <coughs> What's your part? Your part is to commit your way to Him. Your part is to trust Him. Your part is to delight in Him so He can give you desires of your heart. Keep your hope in God. Get up and dream big imaginations. And don't let your dreams be based on your circumstances. Let your dreams be based on what God is putting in your heart to do, to be, whatever it may be. You know, I, I encourage you to dream wild, dream big. I'm not talking about the dream in a fantasy way in a sense that it's something evil, something wrong. But as you have a relationship with God, with His Spirit, with His Word, begin to dream. Dream for your family. Dream for your, yourself. Dream so you can, my gosh, I'll supply my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So that you can have resources and different things to do what God's called you to do. What God's called you to be. 
you know, it says in Joel chapter 2, two verse 28, and, and Peter quotes this in, that, in the book of Acts at the day of Pentecost, that he says, in these last days, old men will dream dreams and see visions. I, I might be chopping that verse up over here a little bit, but it speaks that we will be dreaming in these last days. It's time to dream. It's time to get up off the ground from wherever we've fallen, however we've been hit, if this applies to you, or, how, or, or get off the couch and stop being... And dream, live, dream. Uh, it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that he is able to do above and beyond that you could ever think or imagine according to his power that is at work in you. You have God in you. And we've been talking, we're talking about these seven redemptive names of God, how God has revealed himself. And this week we're going to be talking about Jehovah Nisi. He's your banner, he's your victory. And God wants to give you a, a dream again. You know, even Moses, and we're, we're going to be talking about Moses a little bit with this name because this is where the name is revealed. Moses, I mean, he, he was 40 years under, under Pharaoh's palace, and then he killed a man. So he went to the backside of the desert for 40 years. And it was at the, at the 80 years old is when he saw the burning bush. And God gave him a dream again. And to go and deliver Israel. To 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent 40 years thinking he was nobody. And then and he spent the last 40 years doing something for God. You can't be too old. Moses was 80 years old when he delivered Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And then uh, jo uh, Joshua and Caleb, they were actually 80 years old when they entered the promised land. So age has not, not, nothing to do with it. And Caleb said at 80, he felt stronger at 80 than if he did 40. You know, when you have a... <clears throat> when you're delighting in the Lord, when God is just a wind in your sails, God can rejuvenate your youth. It's one of the promises of God, and I, I Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, is that He will renew your youth like the eagles. God has a way. But just dream and dream what God wants you to do. You, you can't get anywhere if you're not asking. And you can't get anywhere if you're not dreaming anything. Dream. Dream. You know, Joseph was a dreamer. Daniel was a dreamer. They interpreted dreams. Dreams are very powerful. Now, I understand <coughs> there's some kind of other kind of dreams, and there's some dreams that maybe it might be for what you ate last night. But uh, at the same point in time, there are dreams where, you know, it's just a God dream. But uh, just dream. Dream. Allow God, allow God to fill your imagination because I believe it's one of the ways. It's not the only way, but it's one way that God begins to speak to you. God will lead you by your dreams so that you can impact the world. The Spirit of God is in us, and the, key, and the, the key, Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us that we can uh, preach the good news, heal, heal, uh, heal the brokenhearted, and set the captives free. God wants to give you a dream. The kingdom of God is in you, so the kingdom of God... I mean, so that his glory uh, can be, be demonstrated in the earth. The Lord, the Spirit of God is in you. You know, I, I just love that passage in Isaiah 61. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. He's your banner. He's your victory to be able to do that. And we're going to get into some of that in a moment. But I want to encourage you to drink. Don't have a victim mentality. Have a victor mentality. 
That's what we're going to be talking about a lot this morning because he's your banner. He's your victory. And yes, we might have fallen seven times. We might have been hit by every single, every side. We might have even been like Moses. We are the ones that got ourselves in the backside of the desert. But it's time to get up. It's time to dream again. It's time to allow God to to uh, light that fire once again. You know, it says in, in 1 John 5, 4, and I'm just going to read it real quick. You don't have to turn there. We're going to get there in Exodus. We're almost there. But I just want to read, read this verse. Um, Real quick, I have to turn to it because I want to. I don't, don't want to mess up the verse. It says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world: our faith. It's our faith that overcomes. We're going to be talking about victory. We're going to be talking about overcoming. And what? How do we overcome? We overcome by our faith. And how do we have faith? We are in the Word of God, and 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 we're in the Word of God." And we have a relationship with him and his word, we're going to be able to see visions. We're going to get, we're going to get dreams. His spirit. We said the spirit of the living God is upon us. He has anointed us. Well, the spirit of God also works through dreams. And he works through your imaginations. Uh, you know, so uh, anyway, uh, we're going to come back to that. But we're talking about Jehovah Nisi. We're talking about Jehovah, the self-existing one who reveals himself. He reveals himself as I am. And he proves, he wants to prove to be in your life. We talked last week about uh, him being your healer. We talked about the week before about him being your provider. This week we're going to talk about how God wants to prove himself to be your banner, your victory. Okay? Your deliverer. So, hopefully you're in Exodus by now. Let me catch up with you. Exodus 17. And we're going to pick it up in verse 8. Now, let me just describe briefly what's going on here. Israel had already crossed the Red Sea. They're now on their way to the Promised Land. And they're having their first battle against Amalek. Amalek is the first battle they're having. on. They're not in the Promised Land yet. They're on their way to the Promised Land after the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army has already been defeated. And now they have a battle with Amalek. Joshua is fighting the battle. This is the first time we see Joshua and on the scene. Joshua's fighting the battle, and Moses is on the, on, on the hilltop, and he's raising his hand, and he's raising a rod. And we're going to look at this in a little bit. Now, verse 8. Now, Amalek came <coughs> excuse me, and fought with Israel and rough beat them. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men. And go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when <coughs> Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he laid down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became weary, heavy, and so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. 
So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with their edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. And I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built on an altar and called its name, The Lord is My Banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war, what a Malik from generation to generation. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Can you give me some more shit? Alright. So here we are. We got Joshua and we got Israel fighting Amalek. Joshua's fighting it as a, as a, uh, the warrior. And then Moses is on the hill uh, lifting up his hands with the rod of God. And, that, and when he lifts up his hands, they win. When he lowers his hands, they lose. But while Moses is doing this, uh, he gets tired. And so uh, Aaron and her help support him so that he can, uh, Joshua can com continue winning the battle. But, you know, Joshua fought the battle physically. But Joshua could never have won that battle that day if it wasn't for Moses lifting up his hands. And Moses couldn't have lifted his hands if it wasn't for Aaron and her. So really, if you look at and down, down to it, and this is not really the part of my message this morning, but it was Aaron and her that helped them win the battle. <laughs> if it wasn't for Aaron and her, Moses couldn't lift his hands. If Moses couldn't lift his hands, Joshua couldn't win the battle. And all Israel have been defeated. So, uh, I just this is a little side point. This is not my main point. But there's times where we all need help. <laughs> Even Moses needed help. Joshua needed help. Aaron, thank you. Th I, I'm so thankful for people like Aaron and her that come alongside and help people. We all need help. Every one of us needs help from time to time. But I want you to also know, as we read last week from Exodus chapter 15, this week we're reading from Exodus 17. Last week, they were in a battle with Pharaoh as they left Egypt. And when they left Egypt and they were at the Red Sea, God told them to stand still. But here in Exodus 17, God tells them to go and fight. He, go, he tells them to go and fight. Sometimes God tells us to stand still. And sometimes God tells us to get involved. We need to know the difference. And how do we know the difference? We need to have a relationship with God. We need to hear the Spirit of God. Sometimes He will tell you to do just stand still and trust him. Sometimes he will tell you to get involved. And we need to know the difference. And when we get involved, we need to know how to get involved. And what manner we get involved. How long we get involved. We need, folks, we need to have a relationship with God. Otherwise, we're just doing, we're guessing on our own strength. But we need to know what God tells us to do. That make sense? Okay, that's just a little side note, but but here in Exodus 17, they are called to fight. And you know, I've noticed through the years that, uh, and sometimes even myself, that we as Christians sometimes don't like to fight. <laughs> and I'm not looking for a fight, I'm not trying to pick a fight, but sometimes we are involved in the fight. We, I mean, no, we have a fight of faith. And it's not so, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities and power. Now, principality and powers will use people just like the Spirit of God will use people. Okay? But the people are not the enemy. 
the enemies, the enemy influencing people. That makes sense? We need to know that difference. But we have to make sure that our fight is not against people. We are fighting against the spirit behind the people that has been influenced. Okay? But the number one thing the enemy is after, he's out to kill, still destroy. But the number one thing he wants he's after, he wants to kill your faith. He wants to shipwreck your faith. Paul talks about this in Thessalonians. But some people also, especially Christians, don't want to offend people. And I'm not out to go offend people. Jesus wasn't about offending people. But even when Jesus was doing good, he offended people by doing good. He offended people by healing people. He offended people. Jesus wasn't going about being offensive on purpose just to cause a riot. But he was offensive because he stood for the truth. And he did good among people. Sometimes just by doing good, just by standing up and for truth, you will offend people. And some people just need to be offended. That's not my that's not the goal, that's not the that the objective. But I'm not gonna bow down just because it's not the truth. That makes sense? There's, there's a difference there. And even then there's a right and wrong way to do that. Okay? Uh, for example, the apostles were were told not to preach in Jesus' name. They didn't bow down to the command, but they also didn't riot. They just got more boldness to preach more boldly. They didn't riot. They didn't revolt against the government. But they did not bow to that command. There's, there's a difference. They just got more boldness. So uh, we're also not just supposed to, you know, yes, the scripture says turn the other cheek. But it doesn't say that we're just supposed to give up, roll over, and play dead. We, we, sometimes we need to stand up for what's true. Stephen stood up for what's truth. He preached the gospel. The, all the apostles were, were, were martyred. John, they tried to fry him, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't boil. So they, put him, they just put him on the island. And when he's on the island, he gets the revelation that, that he wrote, uh, the book of Revelation. So, and they just couldn't kill the guy. But we need to know how to stand. Now, not, not, that's not the main point of my message, but that, that is, is a side point. Now Joshua is on the scene here, and he—we'll talk about him more later uh, in different different talks. But he's—he's going to be eventually uh, Moses' successor. And so, so some things that God has told him to write down, um, uh, because he's going to eventually one day be the commander in chief. But right now he's just learning how to be a leader. But Moses is where I want to focus some of our time on. Moses, he—he uh, he needed some help, and. Let me just, uh, I already mentioned how, you know, Aaron and her, uh, how Clifford's hands up. Because we all sometimes need somebody. We all get, some, some of us, most, all of us get tired in battle. This whole life is a battle. This whole Christian life is a battle. And these last days of battle is going to get more intense. It's just the way it's going to be. Uh, all of Jesus, John, Paul, Peter, they all prophesied these last days, perilous times will come. And so it's going to get tied up. So we need to have a relationship with God. But there's, I think there's five things that we all need to have to keep healthy. And I'm, just going to, I'm not going to spend time on these today, but I'm going to list them real quick. We all need to have a good church. Even in the middle, middle of COVID, even in the middle of all, sometimes I might have to be a little innovative nowadays in our, in our society, at least for this season. But we need to have a good church. We need to have a good pastor, a teacher, a mentor, or at least a small cluster of them. I don't think we need to have a big cluster of pastors, but we need to have a, one or a few. That makes sense. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. We get too many voices, too many mentors. You know, uh, it, it, it just gonna, it's, it's going to be chaotic. But it's okay to have a few small cluster of mentors. 
uh, uh, and as many scriptures I can use to, to, to about that. We need godly relationships. We need godly fellowship. The early church were steadfast in the apostles' teaching or doctrine and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayers. Fellowship is important. And I know COVID, we have to be six feet apart, but we can, you can still get together and be six feet apart. <laughs> you know? And I'm not totally, uh, I'm not revolting against that, but I'm also not just totally embracing that either. You know? We, you can still have fellowship. You can still pick up the phone and call. You can still text. You can still email. You can still minister and fellowship with one another. It might be an innovative, but you still need to, we need to have a relationship with the Word. We need to have a regular, you know, I need to have a relationship with the pastor. I need to have a relationship with the church, with the body of Christ. But that does not replace me having my own relationship with God. We need to have all those things to help us maintain a rich relationship with God. And then, um, then with that, well, we need to have personal prayer. And prayer in its simplest form is not just petitioning things. And it's, that's part of prayer. That's an aspect of prayer. But prayer in the simplest form is simply having a relationship with God. And simply having fellowship with God. Okay? Uh, but the main point I want to get to this, this morning, at least in this part of the message, is that as Moses lifted up his hands, and more specifically, he, as he held up his hand, he held a rod. And uh, he held a rod. And as he lifted it up, they won, or they were winning. And as he lowered his hands, they were losing. And if he would have continued to just be quiet and lay down because he was just too tired, they would have lost the battle. But he lifted them up. Aaron and her came alongside. But all Israel, at least that generation, knew what that rod meant as he lifted it up. They knew that this rod symbolized the power and manifestation of God's power. They, they seen this rod as Moses administered and manifested the plagues over Egypt. They saw this rod as he, 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 he uh, uh, parted the Red Sea for them. They saw this rod as it got brought forth water out of a rock. As, uh, the story, uh, one of the stories before, actually, we read a lot of that last week. Last week. In Exodus 15. They knew that this rod symbolized, it was symbolic, we're not worshiping the rod, but it symbolized God's power, his provision, his redemption, and the God's power over all. And Moses had to, had to hold this rod up above all else. And as he held this rod, they won. And as he lowered it, they lost. Here's my point. God's power needs to be above all else. We need to look to God above all else. We need to look to God above all else in our thoughts, the way we think, or what we're thinking on. We need to look to God above all else, above our circumstances. Church, we are not governed by our circumstances. We're governed by the Spirit of God. Our, govern, our, our circumstances don't change our lives. No, our God changes our circumstances. We need to be thinking and be focused on and be relied on God and His power above all else. And that makes sense. We need to rely on God. It's not the rod. The rod is symbolizing the power of God. 
And the gospel is the power of God into salvation. We need to be looking to Christ. We need to be looking to God. God's revealing himself as the Lord is your banner. And he's, he's symbolizing it through this rod as he's lifting it up. This rod was a banner as he lifted it up. They won as he lowered it. Uh, they, they lost. But God is your banner. His word. And it says in, in Psalm, Psalm sense. I know we, that was a major distraction, but I was trying to get bring us back. It's okay. Let's bring us come back. You know, <clears throat> the, let me just re, re say this again. God's power needs to be above all else. We need to look to God above all else. We don't, we're not governed by our circumstances. Our God can change our circumstances. That makes sense? God is our Lord. Many of us act like our circumstances are our Lord. Many of us are bowing to our circumstances. We're bowing. No, our circumstances are not our Lord. Our Lord is our banner. Our Lord is our victory. Our Lord is our provider. Our Lord is our healer. We're going over these seven days of God, and they all, the, the, the prefects and all these, the, the Lord is. Your Lord is your banner. Not your circumstances. Your circumstances is not your Lord. He is Lord. He, and God is revealing himself as a Lord, your banner, your victory. Everything. You, we, need, we need to think about, we need to put God above everything in our lives. The small things and the big things. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. We need, you know, the moment we put our, our hands down, the moment we put our guard down, the moment we just get put complacent and lazy, you know, it was, it was when David put his hands down, so to speak, and was resting on the, on, on the rooftop when he should have been in battle, is when he fell with Bathsheba. It wasn't when everything was going bad that David struggled, it was when everything was going good that he struggled and fell into temptation. We need, we need to keep our... We need to keep our, our blades sharp. You know, even the battle, a soldier would continue to sharpen their, their blade to keep it sharp for battle. Well, we need, to, we need to keep our relationship with God so intense so that when the battles come, we're not caught off guard. But as, uh, but as I say, we did get caught off guard. As I say, we did fall. That's why I use the scripture. If a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. In the name of Jesus, get back up. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've been a murderer like Moses. I don't encourage it. But get back up. Get back up. He's your banner. He needs to be a banner over you. It's his banner over you. I think that's where I was at before the, the mic dropped. It was a, 
He says in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4, his banner over you is love. He's brought you, he's invited you to his banqueting table, and his banner over you is love. He needs to be a banner over you. If you lower that banner, which is God, which is Christ, the enemy will prevail. Can I say that again? If you lower this banner of keep letting God be your number one focus, you the enemy in that in that season, as long as you, uh, however long you let that banner down, the enemy will prevail. When you when you look at come across a circumstance and you take it in your own hands, you know Abraham did this. He God promised him a son, and so Sarah, his wife. And it had an idea, and he went along with it, that he should lay down, have relations with his handmaid, Hagar. And how came Ishmael? Ishmael was not God's plan. Isaac was. But when, when, we, when we take matters in our own hands, we create an Ishmael and not an Isaac. That makes sense. And I think all of us have created Ishmaels in our life. One way or form or another. Some worse than others, some more than others. But... We have all created Ishmael by doing it in our own strength. Yes, he'll give you desires of your heart, but you need to commit to him, trusting him. He will bring it to pass, not you. But your job is to commit your way to him, trusting him. Let him be your banner, trusting him, committing your way to him. He will bring it to pass. But the moment you put that banner down and you take the control and you do it your way, instead of waiting for him to do it, then you just made an Ishmael. And the enemy will prevail in that circumstance as long as you make the enemy your banner instead of God. Or you make yourself your own banner. If I can put it in those words. But see, when 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 but when you when lower God's banner, his protection, his his lordship in your life, you the enemy will prevail. But when you when you raise the banner of God, him being Lord and Savior in your life, and you keep God above all else. That is how you have the victory. I don't care how how big the enemy is. I don't care how much he's, he seems like to have overcome. And how, how dark and, and how uh, outnumbered you seem to be in the battle. If God is your banner, you will have the victory. You will see the victory. It also goes on to say here, all right, let's go back to Exodus real quick. Exodus 17, I want to pick it up verse 14. It says, uh, and then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name the Lord is my banner. I want you to notice real quick in verse 14 that God had Moses write this as a memorial. We need some memorials in our life. Throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that God had to make memorials. We need to remember how God has been our deliverer here or there. You know, we all have testimonies. I can tell you, I can spend all day, all afternoon, talking about you, uh, all the testimonies God has done in our lives. Yes, I can talk about how, the situation we might be in right now, but I can also go back and talk about all the memorials and how God has been in my life. We need those memorials. And he also <coughs> said he was going to have these memorials for Joshua. Joshua one day was going to be the leader. And he needed these memorials. 
Joshua needed to remember. Remember, Moses, Moses was lifting up his hands in the rod of God, and Aaron and her were helping him. They were doing a, a very powerful work. <coughs> but Joshua was the one out down there fighting the battle. He was the one with blood and everything and, and, and sweat and, and all the work and turmoil of a battle. And, you know, but God wanted him to remember that the Lord brought victory this day. And how did he bring victory this day? Because they trusted God. His banner over him was love. And, and so they trusted We need to remember what God has done for us. We always have to bring everything back to the cross. Because that is the best banner of all. What God has provided for himself of sacrifice. Through the cross. Christ has brought you the victory in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Joshua needed to remember that according to Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. He needed to remember that. Joshua needed to remember that, that he was his defender, that God was his banner. Joshua needed to remember, just like we need to remember, that he is Jehovah Nisi. He is your banner when you are in a battle. And we need to remember, church, we need to remember, when we're in a battle, we need to remember that He is our victory. He is our banner. He's our defender. He's our deliverer. And He says, if I'm, and we, in other words, we need to remember, if God is not above us in our thoughts, if God's not above us in who we're <coughs> trusting in, we'll fall. But if God is our banner, we will overcome and we will see victory. You know, one of my one of, one of my favorite scenes was actually in the Lord of the Rings, the second of his trilogy. And it's towards the end, they're over they overcome the Helm's Deep. And then comes just in, at dawn as that's promised comes uh, this other army Gandalf and, and, and the other army and within moments they had victory and I remember I forget his name but uh, one of the commanders of the army says we have victory I forget exactly how he says it but we have victory church it might be he might have been fighting this battle for years for decades for your life and the whole your lives. But whatever you're going through, you can have the victory if you will make the Lord your banner. Am I making sense? As of us, we've been fighting so long, we're just hiding in our cage, we're just hiding, we're not tired, we're tired of fighting. I understand. I might not have been in your situation, but I've been in situations and I've been there. I'm tired. There's some battles we've been facing, and I'm tired. I'm sick and tired. But the Lord is our banner. And it's time to get off the ground. It's time to not have a victim mentality. It's time to have a victory mentality. Because the Lord is our banner. He's our salvation. And in salvation, it says, especially in Ephesians chapter 2, we already have the victory. Two of me, if you will, uh, this morning, the Psalm 20. Go to Psalm 20 real quick. Psalm 
there, verse 4. Psalm 20, verse 4. It says, May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all of your purpose. We will rejoice in your, your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all of your petitions. I love this scripture. These two verses right here. It just speaks of promise. I can tie this into Psalm 37 that we just talked about. I can tie this into the banners and victories we're talking about. I want to read it again. May he grant you according to your heart's desire. Friends, what, what, what is your heart's desire? What are the dreams and desires of your heart that you have had because you delight in the Lord? God says, he, may he grant you according to your heart's desire. God wants to fulfill your desires, folks. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good Lord. And the Lord is your banner. He des may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all of your purpose. However young or old you are, God wants to fulfill your purpose, your destiny. Maybe you've gone off track. Maybe, <coughs> you know, Moses got off track for 40 years. For 40 years he was fulfilling sorry for himself on the backside of the desert because he got off track and killed a man. But he met God at a burning bush. And he went back according to God's desire and God's plan. And he brought Egypt, Israel out of Egypt as a, the, the prince that he, he was supposed to be. And he fulfilled his purpose. He fulfilled his desire. He says, we will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God. We're talking about the names of God. In the name of our God, we will set up banners. May the Lord fulfill your petitions. Church, it's time for us to set up banners. What banner? God, the Lord is your banner. You will have victory. His banner over you is love. Dream big. Dream big. May he fulfill those dreams. May he fulfill your heart's desire. I know you all have desires. <laughs> and if you don't have any desires then it's time to delight yourself in the Lord. Get in His presence. Spend time with God. You spend time with God, and you just be saturated in His presence. He'll give you desires. He'll give you dreams. If you allow Him to. And they will be big. They will be bigger than you can do. Because this is how you know it's God. If, if it's a dream that you can do, you'll trust you. But it's a dream that there's no way possible it could happen. Unless God did it. That's a God-sized dream. Because it's a dream where you have to trust God. Israel could not beat, beat they could not have defeated Pharaoh, they could not have out Egypt, they could not have defeated uh, Amalek, they could not have got a water for themselves, uh, uh, Moriah. They, they, they had to trust God. And God was going to bring them into a, a promised land of flowing milk, milk and honey. But they had to trust God. They had a dream of a promised land. And this promised land, it was going to be houses they did not build, vineyards they did not plant. There was going to be giants. There were going to be some obstacles. There was going to be some battles ahead. Joshua helped them conquer the land. 
The only problem was Joshua didn't finish the job, and that's a whole other message. But there's dreams. The wilderness was not the dream. It was just the road. It was just the, the, the you know, if I wanted to go, let's just say Hawaii. We want to go to Alaska. There's only two, way, two real ways to get to Alaska, by boat or by plane. You could drive there, but it would be a longer trip. You have to go through Canada and around, and you wouldn't be able to go see all. But, you know, you have to, you have to get there. The, the, the me, the plane, the plane ride is not the goal. Alaska is. Okay? And so we, we need to, we need to have a dream. But we need to have a, where does it come from? And how does it get fulfilled? Through a relationship with God. A relationship with God is the goal. A relationship with God is the key. Go with me, the trophy, if we were up to Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 3. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I love that. I just I want to stop there. It says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The wells of salvation. You know, when we became saved, and we're talking about this a little bit on, uh, in depth on Wednesday nights, but when we become saved, the forgiveness of sins and not going to and going to heaven and not going to hell is a major deal. But it's only one part of the package. There's a whole well. There's a whole well. We can. How do we draw from this well? We draw from it from joy. By delighting in God. We draw with joy. We draw from the wells of salvation. There's a walk. We, there's a, we are walking out the salvation. We're, we're, there's a walk of faith. We're walking it out. We're living it out. There's a well. There's a whole well of salvation. And we draw out from Oh, joy. It says in Philippians 4, 4, you don't have to turn there, but rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it goes on to say, what do you think, God? God needs to be our banner over everything we think. And, and that, that those thoughts need to be joy, thankfulness, gratitude. Jesus is our victory. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered sickness. Jesus has conquered everything through the cross. He's our banner. He's our victory. And we can draw from the wealth of the salvation with joy. Because he's our banner. And we can be like Moses, standing up on the hill, lifting up our hand, because he's our victory. And we can do it with joy. And with joy. You know, when we're not in joy, what's the opposite of joy? Fear? Complaining? Grumbling? A bad attitude? There's all kinds of different ways I can describe that. But we need the joy, thankfulness. There's a verse in Psalm 50, towards the end of the, 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 the psalm, that says, with um, uh, thankfulness is, uh, I forget exactly how it goes, but it has to do with, it prepares, it prepares you for salvation. In other words, when you are thankful, it helps you to, it gets you in an attitude, it gets you into a uh, 
It sets up the, 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 it sets up the environments for God's salvation. What's salvation? His wholeness, healing, provision, deliverance. You know, when Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes, he took the boys' lunch and he gave thanks. Thanksgiving is a very powerful tool in our tool belt to switch from grumbling, complaining. When we're grumbling, complaining, we're usually magnifying the problem. But when we're rejoicing in God, when we're delighting in God, when we're focused on God, our banner, we took our focus off the problem and took our, our focus on our Savior, our Lord, our banner. And that's where our focus needs to be. We need to focus on Lord, the Lord, our banner. And we do it with joy. And when we do it with joy, we draw from the wells of salvation. If you're going to draw from a well, you need a ladle. You need, you need a, some, a means to draw from. How do you draw? With joy. You can't draw through any other means. You have to use joy. That makes sense? And how do we get joy? Well, the joy... The <coughs> Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We need to have joy. That's why Paul says rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Think about what's good. Think about what is lovely. When you keep thinking about what's wrong, you're not using joy and you're not drawing from the wealth of salvation. That makes sense? That's why dream, get a lot. Get, get, get. Us Christians, if we knew what our salvation was, we should be the happiest people on the planet. Not because of the circumstances, because of our God. Because of our God that we have, we can change the circumstances. But how do we change the circumstances? With our God. We can't necessarily change people, because they have to make their own decisions. We can create an environment that might help facilitate that change, but we can't change them. God can't change them. They have to change. Now, we can create an environment for that. We can pray towards that. We can, uh, you know, but we can't change, but we can change the circumstances. I'm not responsible for someone else. I'm responsible for me. That makes sense? Uh, but uh, anyway, that's a whole other side I want to get to. God has, Jesus is our victory. In him we have the victory. Through him we have the victory. He's our banner. He's our deliverer. He's our victory. Jesus conquered temptation. He conquered sin. He conquered death. Um, I want to move forward a little bit. Um, go with me real quick to John chapter 10. I want to switch gears just a little bit. I'm rounding third base. I'm almost done. I'm going to switch the tone just a little bit, but I'm going to bring it back, okay? John chapter 10, uh, we're going to pick up verse 17. It says, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. <clears throat> no one takes it from me, but I lay it down. And myself, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was a division among, among the Jews because of these sayings, and many of them said, He has a demon, and he is mad, and why do you listen to him? I, I want to stop there just for a moment. I mainly want to focus on the first two verses, uh, where he says, I have the power to lay it down, and I have power to raise it up again. No one killed Jesus. Jesus laid down his life. That makes sense? 
Where am I going with victory? Where am I going with the Lord is our banner? Just hold on. Hold on. Okay. Jesus says, no one, no one takes it from me. I lay it down. I have power to take it up. I have power to lay it down. These are powerful statements. Jesus is also talking about the resurrection here. And our whole faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our faith is, our faith is in vain. Paul talks about that in many of his letters. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we, our faith is in vain. Our entire Christianity, our entire faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to raise it up. If he wasn't resurrected, our faith is in vain. But he was resurrected. We all have to understand that. How do we become saved in the first place? We become saved because we believe that Jesus died for us and he rose again. That makes sense? Okay? But Jesus was resurrected. It's what our faith is based on. He conquered death. Jesus, our victor. And we're talking about Jesus being our banner. We're talking about Jesus being our victory. Are we on the same page? Okay? Jesus, our victor, and in him we have our victory, lives on the inside of us. He is who he says he is. He's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul talks about in Colossians how this mystery that's revealed to us, and we're talking about God being revealed to us in this whole series. We're talking about God revealing himself, God revealing himself through his name. And this God who's been revealed to us, this Christ who's been revealed to us, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, is our victory. Am I making sense? Um, Jesus, who's on, Jesus not only laid his life down for you, Jesus also raised it up. It says in, <clears throat> I think it's Romans chapter 4, verse 25, that he was raised for our justification. He was raised for our righteousness. I mean, now because Jesus rose again, we have victory. We need, uh, you know, if we don't, under, this is the, the, the most cornerstone of Christianity and our salvation is that because Jesus rose again, we have victory. Because if we don't get this point, then there's almost no point to understand throughout Scripture. That when we celebrate this every Easter, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our cornerstone of, of, of our salvation, our cornerstone of everything we believe is about Jesus rising from the dead. We need to get this. Because I'll spend all night on this uh, if, if we don't get this. We need to understand that Jesus rose from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, we have the victory. The proof that we have the victory. The I mean, this is more powerful than Moses raising his rod. Because the thing that was raised in the New Testament is not a rod. The thing that was raised is Jesus. Jesus is our victory. And this Jesus who's been raised again is on the inside of us. This mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And no matter what circumstances you're facing, no matter what's going on, the same power to raise Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of you, and you have the victory. You are the, you're born into victory, the Bible says. In the, the book of Ephesians. We're born into victory. Christ is in us. And if the same power that raised Christ from the dead, which is the greatest miracle of all, because our whole faith hinges on this revelation, is Christ in you to have glory. And if, if Christ rose from the dead, 
There's nothing that you're going through. There's nothing that God cannot do. Because you have the victory in Jesus Christ. And what's your hope? What's your hope based on? What's your faith based on that he's a victory? Christ rose from the dead. I, I, my, my prayer as a pastor, as a teacher, that you get this revelation about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We sang about it in our worship songs. We have the playlist on our website this morning. about the, it's, it's the resurrection of Christ that we have the victory. He paid for our sins. He paid for the debt, praise God. But that debt would not have been accepted if he didn't raise from the dead. He's alive. And he's not just alive sitting on this throne. Yes, he is. But he's also alive on the inside of you. And his, he, his spirit is on the inside of you. He has anointed you with the spirit to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. You have the victory. The kingdom of God, God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within you. God, God, Jesus said, it's my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in you. This Christ, this risen Christ, this resurrected Christ is on the inside of you. It's a mystery. It was a mystery in the Old Testament, but it's revealed to you in the New Testament. It's Christ in you. And this God, this Christ, we're talking about God revealed. God has revealed himself in Christ, your victory. And as you keep your focus on this Christ who is on the inside of you, just as Moses left his rod, as you keep Christ on the inside of you and keep that, your focus on that, I, don't, I know I'm going through this, I know this is happening, but Christ is in me. Christ is in me. And I'm overcome by the blood, the lamb, and the word of my testimony. And this, this circumcised Philistine, these, this army will be no more. This battle, this struggle, this, 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 it will be no more. Our battle's not against people. Our battle's against the enemy. But this battle we're going through, this battle of cancer, this battle of financial, whatever, this strife that's going on in family, whatever the case may be, will be no more because Christ in me is victory. And I'm going to see victory. I'm going to see victory because I know Christ is in me. This might be the chapter I'm in, but this is not how the chapter ends. This is not how the book ends. You know, I love watching some TV series when the, when the key key uh, character is in trouble. Because you know they're going to come out of it because they got more episodes. <laughs> they can't kill them off with more episodes. When it's a movie, you never know what's going to happen. But with, with, with a TV series, I mean, it's not, in the end of the season, sometimes they kill off some characters because they're not going to come back next season. But the main character, you know they're going to be there because they're, they're in the next episode. <laughs> you know they're going to come out. But that's the TV. In life, sometimes we don't know if we're going to come out the other side. But we do know we're going to come out the other side because Christ is a victory. And even if we die, we win. Because we'd be with Christ for eternity. Whether we live or we die, we're His. We don't lose. I'm not necessarily encouraging death, but death is not the last chapter. Christ, you know, I don't mind dying. I, I, I care about the process. I don't want it to be painful. But I'd rather be with God. I'd rather be with Jesus than you. I don't, but that can be a selfish attitude too. While I'm here, there's a job to do. While I'm here, there's things to do. And I need to be occupied till he comes. And, and, and so it's not just about me and my relationship with God. It's about me and my relationship with God so I can be effective for you. Not just as a pastor, but I, we're all able ministers. If all your relationship with God is to see what God can do for you, in one sense, that's just very selfish. Yes, you, you can't minister if you're, you're struggling. 
or you'll be limited in ministry, but let God fill you with his power, heal you, set you free, <clears throat> meet your needs so you can be a blessing to others. That's the purpose. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not just so you can be a sanctuary to yourself. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit so God can fill you with the Spirit so he can heal the broken heart and set the captives free. Isaiah 61 has a lot, has everything to do with God filling you with the Spirit so you can minister. Not just so you can feel good. Not just so you can have a religious moment. But so you can demonstrate the power of God in the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world, the Bible says. We have a job to do. And in these last days, he says he will give you dreams and visions. Not just so you can have a good night's sleep and just be joyful. But I talk about dreams and visions coming to pass. God giving you visions. I, you know, I don't know if Moses, how he saw himself being a deliverer of Israel. I don't know how, but I do know this. Abraham had dreams and visions to be the father of many nations. Could God put it there? God had dreams and visions and plans for your life. We need to have a victor mentality. Not, you know, some of us need to stop complaining and then with a victim mentality and start, start rejoicing with a victor mentality. In the natural, we see a problem, but in the spirit, we can see a victory. And we need to, see, in the natural, Abraham didn't see his children yet. But in the spirit, he saw himself as a father of many nations. Why? Because God said it. Because God said it, that settled it. He never considered, even and when he, even when he was going to offer up Isaac, it says in the book of Hebrews, that he even, he even reasoned that God would raise him from the dead if he had to, because God was going to bring the all his children and grandchildren through Isaac. Even if he killed Isaac, he knew, he reasoned in his own mind that even if he obeyed God and offering Isaac, God was going to raise him from the dead because God was going to keep his word. Abraham did not consider, he did not waver from the promise. That's what I want to be. That's the banner I'm talking about. Where God, God is our banner and he is our victory. But we have to trust him. We have to delight in him. We need to rely on him. Again, I'll use this verse again from Proverbs 24, verse 16. A righteous man may fall down seven times, but he will get back up. I don't care how many times you've been hit down. You know, I have on my desk in my office, I have this little weeble wobble. Have you ever seen one of those? The reason I like it because you, no matter how many times you hit that little weeble wobble, it comes back up. And there's times I don't always feel so hot. Sometimes I feel defeated. Sometimes I feel like a failure. Sometimes I, I feel overwhelmed. But I'm just reminded that, that in the spirit, because God is my victory, I can get back up. That makes sense? You might fall seven times, but a righteous man gets back up. And well, we got to trust God to get back up. we got to get back up and do it. we got to get up. we got to dream. we got to be big in our dreams. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's your victory. That's your victory song. We need to have a victory song. But we need to have a victory song on, you know, uh, David Wilkerson. Uh, some of you might not know him. He's passed, passed away now, but he, he used to be a minister in Times Square Church in uh, 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 New York. He's, some of you know him by the book, The, 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 the Cross and the Switchblade. This is back in the 70s. I don't know, uh, maybe even earlier. I forget how, how long ago this is back. But he had a message. He has a message that I've always liked. He said Moses and the Israel sang the right song on the wrong side. 
You know, after they cross the Red Sea, we have the next chapter, we have the beautiful song of Moses. It's a beautiful, powerful song. But I, I love it how David Wilkerson teaches how we should be singing that song on the other side of the Red Sea. That makes sense? We should be singing that song because we know we have the victory. And, uh, and so we need to be singing the victory no matter what we're in. You know, this whole thing that I'm talking about drawing from the wells of salvation, I'm talking about walk, uh, seeing victory. But this whole, everything I'm talking about is not just something we do on Sunday morning. It's not just something we do on Easter. It's not just something we do at Christmas. It's not just something we do after we see the natural victory. It's a lifestyle. We walk by faith and not by sight. We need to walk by faith, not fear. We need to fight the fight of faith. We need to fight the fight of victory. And what is faith? What is victory? First John 5, 4. Actually, let's turn there real quick. First John 5, 4. First John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God. Are you born of God? Are you a child of God? Are you born of God? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. That makes sense? Where does faith come from? The Word of God. You're not going to have faith to overcome the world if you don't have a relationship with the Word. If you don't have a... Remember I talked about how there's five things we need to stay healthy? Some of those things, we need to have a good church. We need to have a good pastor. We need to have good fellowship. All those have to do with the word too. We need, you know, it's okay to have non-Christian friends. Jesus hung out with the public and the sinners, but that's not what we draw. <coughs> they don't give me advice. They don't give me counsel. I get, I might give them counsel, but they're not giving me counsel. That makes sense. We need to have good fellowship. Good fellowship where we we encourage and admonish one another in the Lord. We need to have a relationship with God and prayer and His Word. That's where faith comes. And, and this is our banner. This is our rod. And as we are coming underneath the, his banner, a good church, a good pastor, our mentor, a good, re, good friendships, a, a support system in that regard, a, a, a relationship with God. Jesus did all he did, but he spent time with the Father. He didn't do anything without spending time with the Father. Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. But if we spend time with a relationship with God, we'll have faith. And our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We want to overcome the world. We want to have faith. But we, and how do we get it? By having a relationship with God. Being in the Word is only one of them. It's one of the primary things. But we need to have a relationship with God. You know, uh, I was listening to a message this week from Aaron Purdue. Aaron Purdue is Lawson Purdue's uh, son. Some of you don't know who Lawson is, but he's one of the, our teachers in our Bible classes. If you haven't taken him, you'll, you'll meet him soon. But he's actually our pastor. And uh, anyway, his wife, Barbara, uh, uh, Lawson's wife, Barbara, uh, it, Aaron was sharing how people will come to them for counseling. But one, one particular lady came for her counseling. Her for counseling him, he, one of her first questions is, how much time are you spending time in the Word? And the lady said, none. <laughs> he says, so you want my counsel, but you want me to get counsel from the Word of God first? He says, you know, in other words, you go spend time in the Word and then come back to me for counseling. 
We need to have counsel from the Word. I'm not saying we don't get pastoral counsel, we don't get guidance, but we pastoral guidance and counsel does not replace having a counsel over God's Word. We need to have time with God. We need to spend time in His Word. Aaron was ministering to another person who, who wanted, it was more of a theological discussion, but she, she wanted to debate a theological discussion, and his first thing was, are you, where, where are you going to church? Well, I'm not going anywhere. Well, you can come here. I don't want to come here. Well, you can go to these churches. I don't want to go to, I don't want to, go to your church. He goes, well, once you start going to church, get fed on a regular basis, then come back and we'll talk. But if you're, if, you know, we, we need to have a regular, it's not just, <clears throat> and this is not a message about going to church, but we need to have a regular diet of good pastoral teaching and counseling teaching. And the church is not just so you can receive, church is also so you can give. As you get fed, as you get discipled, you'll become equipped so God can use you in different ways, using some of the gifts of the Spirit in different things that we want to. But, you know, even, I know we're a home church in different things, but we had a church. I'm not going to let people serve in the church if they're not, first of all, going to church and they're not sitting under the Word of God. You know, uh, in, in, the, in the book of uh, Acts, when they picked the seven, they picked those who were full of the Spirit. Those who, you can't have the Spirit. You can't have the, uh, wisdom if you're not spending time with God. We need a, we want we want faith that overcomes the world, and this is where I'm, I, I got off on this tangent. We need to spend time with God, and from that comes faith, and this faith overcomes the world, and that is our victory. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our banner, and sometimes He will fight the battle for us, and sometimes He tells us to stand still, but sometimes He also tells us to fight. How do we fight the fight of faith? We spend time by being in the Word of God. But sometimes some of us get in the Word of God reactively instead of proactively. We need to have a lifestyle of this. So when problems come, we know how to deal with them. Some of us wait till a problem comes and then we start going to church. Then we start calling the pastor. Then we start getting the Word of God. Praise God you're doing that. Those are good decisions. But we should be doing that all along. But even if we did, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll get back up. Praise God you're getting back up. Praise God, you know, you're, 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 you're getting back into it. But we need to have a lifestyle. And church, in these last days, in these last days, perilous times are coming, it is crucial. It is crucial that we maintain a relationship with God. Because in these last days, there are, it's going to get darker and darker in the world. And we need to have a place where we get fed. We get teaching. We don't know what's going to happen in our country, in the world, in the days to come. But we need to have a relationship with God. And it might get innovative how the church performs and how the church connects. But we need to have that too. But while we still have it, take advantage while you have it. You know, some other countries where there's our underground church, they're still flourishing. It might be a little innovative, it might be a little different, but they're still doing these things. They still have fellowship, they still have pastors, they still have these things. It's just innovative how, how, it, how it unfolds, but it's still going on. But the key thing is, even if I don't have, I'm not dependent on you, I'm not dependent on the pastor. I think we need to have those things. I'm dependent on Christ. And a pastor, a teacher, evangelist, a missionary, all these different are supposed to equip you to have a relationship with God. That's their goal. That's my goal is not to have a relationship with Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My goal is to have you have a relationship with God. 
Because this church may or may not exist 10 years from now. I believe it will, but if it doesn't, it, we're not the answer. Christ is. That makes sense? I'm always going to point you to Christ. If I can't point you to Christ, there's nothing to talk about. We might as well close our doors and, and quit. Because I, I'm, I can't help you outside of Christ. But our victory that overcomes the world is our faith. All of our life decisions, all of them, the simplest ones to the complex ones, need to be based on faith. They need to be based on an attitude of victory, not fear, not being a victim. I don't make decisions based on being a victim. I make decisions based on being a victor. I shouldn't make decisions based on the circumstances. I should be making decisions based on what God tells me. I mean, look, look at Israel. This time God told them, walk around the wall seven times on the seventh day. They, 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 seven more times, give a shout. That was a military strategy. It didn't make sense. They didn't learn that in boot camp. But they, they obeyed God and the walls came down. He told the widow who need, needed money, go get all the jars that you can from all your neighbors. You know, that wasn't, you won't find that in many investment books and, and financial uh, resources. But they just obeyed God. She got all the oil and she began to pour her oil and it didn't run out until all the jars were filled. He told Elijah to go to a place called there. And when he went there, the ravens came and fed him by the brook. He told uh, the disciples, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Well, why are the, boat, why are the fish on that side of the boat? Don't they swim under the boat too? <laughs> you know? But it's about obeying God. Launch out into the deep. All these, God, all these, we have miracles that they're miracles and miracles of God. But the feeding the multitudes. I mean, even Jesus didn't have a lunch. The boy did. And he took the, boy, the boy's lunch and multiplied the food. And there was 12 baskets left over. He did it twice. The feeding of 4,000, the feeding of 5,000. All these miracles and provisions of God were done because they heard, they spent Ask God for direction, and they did what he said, even though it didn't make sense in the natural. Because a miracle doesn't make sense. It's supernatural. But we, we have a supernatural God who's living on the inside of us, and he is our banner. And when we come under his banner, and he becomes our thoughts and our, our, and our actions, we will have the victory. Because, not because of what we do, because of who he is, and we obey whatever he tells us to do. Am I making sense? He's our victory. And because of that, and because he's in us, and because of all this, because of the resurrection of Christ, we don't need to have a victim mentality based on fear. We can, no matter what the circumstance, we can have a victor mentality based on his promises, based on who he has revealed himself to be. We can walk in victory and not defeat. Even if we made a mess, even if someone is against us, because Christ in us is the whole glory. Real quick, I'm almost done. Basically out of time. Go to read real quick to 2 Corinthians 2.14. Second Corinthians two fourteen. 
says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I want to read that again, but I'm going to read it from the NIV. <clears throat> it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ, triumphal possession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. I want to read that again, but in the NIV one more time. But thanks be to God, there's that joy, who always, not sometimes, always leads us as captives. We'll come back to that. <coughs> he always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal possession and, there's a conjunction, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. I love that verse. I don't always read from the NIV, but I really like how the NIV brings that out. He says that he leads us as captives. Church, are you captivated by Christ? The Bible says we need to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Are we captivated by him? You know, sometimes when uh, a couple falls in love, they're just captivated by that person. <laughs> I mean, you can you can be in the room talking to them, but they're just thinking about that person. He, 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 you just can't even have a, a decent conversation with them because they're just captivated by that love. Make sense? You know, uh, are we captivated by him? Who always leads us as captives into Christ's triumphal possession. We, is, and I like that, we, we are Christ's triumphal possession. Because it is... He leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal possession and uses us to spread the aroma. God wants to use your life, no matter what it's been like, as an aroma to the world of his goodness, of his victory, of his triumphal possession. Notice, too, that he says he leads us by captives into his triumphal possession. He doesn't lead us into his defeated possession. He, he doesn't lead us into his, his defeated possession. He leads us by his triumphal possession. That makes sense? But some of us are looking at our lives and our circumstances, and we just have the, 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 defeated, the defeated aroma. There, there's some Christians I meet, and I've been here myself many times. I'm sure I've been this way sometime some this week. But it's been sometimes I have just a defeated, defeated aroma about me. I, I'm overwhelmed by the circumstances or whatever, or maybe I'm not motivated, whatever the case might be, and I just have this de defeated me uh, demeanor about me. Maybe just in the moment, maybe I probably don't see it on Sunday morning because I'm preaching, but sometimes in the week I might have this defeated attitude. You ever been around someone who's just having a bad day? Or they're going through a, a, a tragical time in their life. And I'm not trying to be insensitive to the, the stuff people are going through. That's not, I'm trying to help. And sometimes to help, we have to sometimes uh, rock the boat a little bit. We've got to stir it up. Sometimes we've got we to ask the tough questions. Sometimes we've got to shake the tree. Not to hurt the tree, but just to get all the junk. You know, I was trimming some plants outside uh, a few weeks ago. And once I trimmed it, I noticed there was just a bunch of dead leaves in there. So I just shook that tree 
So all the dead branches start falling out. And it just, and, you know, it, 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 it worked. But sometimes we got to shake the tree a little bit. I didn't want to hurt the tree. I wanted to make it beautiful. But it just didn't need all that deadness in there. And so, you know, we, 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 we don't need to have a defeated attitude. We need to have a victor attitude. Because if we have a defeated attitude, we're like Moses bringing the arms down. But sometimes we need an Aaron and a her to help us see the positive. You ever try to encourage someone that doesn't want to be encouraged? And they just snap at you? I've, I know I've done that. Someone's trying to encourage me, I just snap at them. They're trying to be an Aaron and a her. But I'm biting them back. And as I'm biting them back, they can't be an Aaron and her. And I'm losing the victory and so is everyone else. Joshua and his armies. Because if you are not walking in victory, then God can't use you as a Roma. So not only are you struggling, but all the people you're supposed to be ministering to are also losing the battle. Just like Joshua. When Moses' arms were down, he was losing. When his arms were up, he was winning. Aaron and Moses depended Moses' reaction, Moses' faith in God brought an aroma of defeat or victory for Joshua. And Israel. That makes sense? We're supposed to be the aroma, but we can't be aroma if we're not participating in Christ's triumphal procession. If we're defeated and we have a defeated attitude, and I understand that the situation might be horrible. You might be going through the season of your life. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm trying to get your focus off the circumstances and get your focus on Christ, who is your victory. And having a positive attitude, not just, I'm not just trying to play mind games, but we, we trust Christ who is our victory, and this is our victory that overcomes the world, is our faith in Christ. I'm trying to get you to walk in faith and not in defeat, or fear, or worry, or anxiety, or strife. The Bible says in, in James 3.16, when there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. If you are living in strife, you are actually you are actually setting the environment for the enemy to have every evil work in your life. I don't I don't want enemy to have every evil evil work in my life. I want to walk in faith. I want to walk in victory. I I might be a hundred years old like Abraham and not have a child, but God says I'm going to have a child. I'm going to have a child at a hundred. That's how Abraham saw it. And that's why Abraham believed. We need to walk in faith and not defeat. So that we can, and as we walk in faith and victory, there will be an aroma, just like Moses, Aaron, and her helped Joshua win the victory. That makes sense? We are the body of Christ. You know, if I stub my toe, my whole body heals it. My toe's still in the worst of it. But, you know, that uh, a couple weeks ago, I, woke, I got off the couch one evening uh, and I, uh, I, I strained a ligament or something in my foot for uh, at least a day. And my whole body felt it because I couldn't just go get up and, and walk around easily. It, it didn't last long. I just kept speaking healing over it. And, but, uh, it didn't last a day, but then the, by the next day, uh, it was gone. You know, uh, but uh, it just, uh, it hurt. I don't know what happened. I mean, how can... How did you hurt yourself just laying on the couch? I don't know, but I did. And so, um, but anyway, you know, I just wanted to kind of, 
you know, my whole body felt it. You know, I just, it just, it hurt, it bothered me, and it was discomforting, and I couldn't, I couldn't uh, function like I normally do for a day. But, you know, I wasn't gonna have that attitude. I, I wasn't gonna stay that way. It's healed, and I'm fine, and it's better. But it's just, uh, we need to stop making excuses why we can't do something, and we need to make all the excuses why we can. That's, that's huge. We need to change our attitude. How are we going to change our attitude if we don't have a relationship with God, His Word, and, and, and good counsel, and good, 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 good environment? But if we have a, a joyful, thankful attitude with God, it will change our attitude. And when I have a relationship with God, I can give you all the reasons why I can do what God's called me to do. I can dream big. And when I dream big, I'm talking about silly big. I'm talking about crazy big. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Greater is he that's in me than he in the world. I can do what God says I can do. I can be who God says I can be because God is in me. Christ in me. But I, I don't need to make excuses why I can't do it. I can tell you all the reasons why I can. Because I'm delighted in him. I'm committing my way to him. I'm trusting him. And he's going to bring the pass. That's faith. And that's the faith that overcomes the world. His banner, folks, his banner over us is love. He's invited us to his banqueting table. A banquet. Who doesn't like a banquet? I mean, I know a lot of people are on health diets and whatnot, but I don't know about you. I haven't been so I haven't been sold by that that advertisement. I still eat what I like, and I don't eat what I like. I know I need to have moderation. The Bible talks about moderation, but I, I, this is a diet I've always been on. If I like it, I eat it. If I don't like it, I don't eat it. It's it really is that simple. Now, I know I need to eat a little more green stuff, the good, healthy stuff. I have a wife, and I had a mom that helped me do that, and uh, I was too stubborn, so I, I, they can only go so far with it. <coughs> but, uh, you know, even this morning, you even saw me. I drank some orange juice to try to get this phlegm uh, <coughs> out of my throat, whatever it is. It caused me to, to, to hack a little bit, but I'm not sick. I'm going to deal with it in Jesus' name. Then I hope we're making sense. But just a... Uh, but uh, his banner over me is love. It's a banqueting table. And his victory over me is love. And I'll just end with this. It says in Romans 8.35 that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There's so many verses I could uh, go to on this. But uh, um, Jehovah Nisa, he's our banner. He's our victory. He's our defender. He's our salvation. Hope we just make sense to you this morning. Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. We thank you that in you we have a victory. Lord, I pray that this is not just a message we hear and now we go about our day and week. Even though we will go about our day and week. But Lord, I pray that your spirit by your spirit, you, Lord, you will remind us, just as you reminded Joshua, that you are our victory. You are our banner as we go forward throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our lives. We will walk the remainder of our days knowing you are our provider, you are our healer, you are our victory. And next week we go talk about how you are the one who sanctifies us. We worship you, we magnify you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks for everything. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6. And uh, yeah. We'll see you then.